welcome to the Flycast, musings and adventures on and off the water with Misha Gill. Today we join Misha fishing for trout in central Pennsylvania on Penn's Creek in May of 2021. He has a day with a guide, day by himself, and some interesting stories and characters to talk about along the way. Enjoy. It is May 3rd, 2021. It's a Monday. Just spoke to Bernie from Bloomberg, Pennsylvania. Old timer. Fishing a six weight with a rod with a five weight line because it falls less heavy. Um, told me some really interesting things about Penn's Creek where I am now. And he said the bluing olive is deep, the best hatch on Penn's Creek. Beginning of June to end of June, it is the hatch. And he ties primarily a 16. He didn't really talk about which nymphs he fished, but he fishes almost exclusively under the surface. When I walked up to him, he had a uh, pretty good rig on. He had a March brown wet on top, and below he had two like size 12 Griffiths type patterns with like a green thread butt. Should have, it was a very slim body, whatever it was. It might have just been a, a thread body with just the grizzly hackle wrapping. Yeah, he had two of those, but he called those granums. He said he was fishing a granum. Uh, he showed me some golden stones that were a size eight. Non-curved shank hook, but looked like about my sixes with the, with the curved shank. Because that's an extra long nymph hook. So he said it was an eight. And it was just dubbing, rib, and then a big pheasant tail wing case. And some big pheasant tail fibers for legs. Well, they were actually kind of stubby now that I think about it. They were kind of stubby. Anyways, I think that's about it. I am back at 1175 Penn's Creek, Jill and Eric's place, just back on the patio, the porch that is. There is a patio as well as a fire pit. The porch has a beautiful view of Penn's Creek and also the parking area where the guide who I'm waiting on is about to come. We are going to go fish Lower Penn's today, down towards Weikert, but I'm not exactly sure what part. He just said Lower Penn's. Matt, my guide, is hoping for some rain because he thinks the water's too low. And I agree. He needs to come up. Oh, Bernie mentioned a bluing olive story. When he was fishing here in June one time for the bluing olives, he said he fished about two and a half hours, caught 15. It's a pretty, pretty good rate. We both agreed. I bet some of those were beefy, hefty fish, too. Yeah, otherwise you wouldn't remember it as fondly. Anyways, I gotta get ready some more. Anyways, I gotta quit fussing around and get ready for my guide. Fence Creek Part 3, May 3rd, 2021. Misha Gill and guide Matt in the car at our lunch break. It is raining outside, so we are in the front seat of the car. And we just had a lovely, spectacular morning of fishing. A stellar morning of fishing. Right, Matt? Right. Stellar is the right word. Stellar is the right word. Nine fish to the net. Biggest was a 16 and 7 eighths. That's what we finished the session on. Next biggest was 16 and 3 quarters. 
we got a high 15s rainbow, another 15 brown from our first session. So the first was a confluence pool with some wood coming out of it. And there we, we hooked a fish initially on a tight line setup and uh, just weren't quite getting them the way we thought we should be getting them. And the fish started going crazy and rising all over the place. So Matt says, let me get you the dry fly rod. <laughs> yes, yes, please. And we rose a bunch of hefty fish on a, a whole bunch of different patterns. Um, first, we tried just some emerging mayflies. We cycled through our, our suspicions, blue wing olives. They were taking a nymph at first. They took a blue wing olive nymph. And then they started keying in on the naturals on the surface of the water after that. Got one on a March Brown, one on a tank caddis, and two takes on that sulfur emerger. So we got, we got some solid fish there on the dry. Which one of those was the 16 and three quarter? That came on a balloon nymph rig out of the far current, I think. That was a- After the dry fly. After the dry fly session. Yeah, so our biggest from that dry fly session was that 15 inch rainbow. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, and I missed, I missed some really hefty fish up by the log, one that I set the hook with a sulfur emerger and fish just hadn't quite taken it down perhaps so maybe I was a mite early Matt complains that it was a, a lot late <laughs> we missed the fish he definitely took it down because it then snagged on the wood on its way out and we lost that fly and Matt but Matt rescued it after the end of the session we fished that out for as long as, as we could and then they stopped rising and then we went back to the balloon nymph rig and Got that 16 and three quarter buttery, beautiful, sparsely spotted brown mm. with some, oh, some lovely magenta undertones. Just a beautiful, beautiful brown. It was awesome, it was awesome. Then Matt showed me a bunch of pocket water that we took apart with some mid-water column balloon suspension rigs. Again, uh, just fishing right out in front of the rod tip some split shot on the bottom, one number one and two number fours on the bottom, and then an iron lotus and a Boone's nymph off of the Orvis tippet knot, which you're gonna show me how to tie at the end of the day. And we just, we, we laid into a bunch of fish after after getting snagged and a little frustrated and mad at each other. I made fun of Matt for his terrible camera skills. He made fun of me for my getting snagged in the first place. <laughs> We finished on a really hot note with like four fish in a row. A seven, a nine, a 13, and a 16 and seven eighths. 16 and seven eighths. 16 and seven eighths. Gorgeous freaking fish. We're back at the car after I ran out of water and was begging for some water. Man wanted to stay and fish. There were fish to be had at each of those spots. We want to cover some water today. So we're going to do our second half of this trip post-lunch somewhere on new water again. We'll check in then. Pence Creek, May 3rd, 2021. Matt and Misha at the tailgate of the car. We just heard, what was it, Matt? Grouse, a grouse drumming. We heard a drumming grouse. It was cool. Thump, 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 thump. Matt told a cool story, he said that when he was a kid, he thought that was the sound of a guy trying to start his tractor, right? Is that how you? Trying to start his tractor and it just kept stalling out. Just kept stalling out. That grousing, that was cool. That is a cool encounter. Fence Creek, May 3rd, 2021. Misha and Matt on the stream, just finishing up a session here. We've hit a, a nice big main hole prime line deep and nymphed it. 
took fish on iron lotuses and primarily the iron lotus it's been fishing the best and moved up through the run fished a couple of buckets did pretty well we added six fish to the tally we're at 15. one of those was 16 and a quarter we're not taking pictures of anything that's not a 16 anymore 16 or better that's right really fun session uh the 16 and a quarter inch fish Oh man, I hooked that thing and I tried to muscle it into the slack bucket right below me. And Matt had a good lunge at it, but just ended up getting the fish the wrong way and it came back out of his net and the fish, Matt tells me, just let it go, just let it go. So I'm just holding my rod tip way high in out peels fly line and I'm just holding it, holding it, holding it. And I see Matt and the fish in a heavy current tussling it out. It was epic. And it looked awkward as heck <laughs> with the net. <laughs> Matt did a, an amazing net job. I shouted, money, Matt, money, Matt, money, Matt, after he netted that fish for me. That was so much fun. The only takeaway one can have from a day of fishing like we, Matt and I just had is God loves us and wants us to be happy. That's it. There's no bigger message. That's it. Great day of fishing. Pence Creek, Misha and Matt back at the truck, de-rigging, hit our quota, 20 fish. It was a day for the history books. That last session we had, we fished some nice current seams, mid-river slots, real slots. Got three brookies. Matt caught one of them just by happenstance. Only fish he caught today, but it was a brookie, and we were like, holy crap, there's brookies here. And Matt had warned me that there might be some. Yeah, it turned out we saw some. And I got two subsequent to that. And how long do you think they were? Like 10 inches? The biggest one was probably nine. Nine. Lovely little jewels. 20 freaking fish, man. What a day. What a day on pens. They took primarily the iron lotus. Two brookies I caught were on the Boone's nymph. But they wanted that. Was like a 16 iron lotus? That was a 16. That was a 16. Cool. Same balloon rig that was working all day, just adjusting it for depth in the slots. And we got one more 16. It was 16 and a quarter. The beauty of a fish. Told that story about Matt running downstream after it. <laughs> that was a highlight for sure. For sure. What a beautiful day. It started raining here towards the end, but like Matt was saying, like not enough to really do much to the stream. If it keeps going all night, it might bump the stream flows up a little, but it just drizzled a little bit here and there. Nothing soaking today. Pretty nice. Pretty, pretty nice. Pretty nice. Twenty twenty one oh five oh three, about two p.m. Just got to the stream, and I'm trying lower down on pens today for a mixed bag, hoping for smallmouth and rainbows. Going to try and harvest a few rainbows for dinner for Brooke. And got my six weight, and I was so thrilled with myself. I remembered my other two boxes for smallmouth bass. I didn't leave them behind. I brought them just in cases. So I've got my full quiver with me in terms of things to fish for smallmouth bass. First thing I tied on here is a um, gold and silver Creel X because I found that rainbows hit that really well. Uh, and we're going to try and get that chore knocked out first and hopefully catch some smallmouth bass and yeah, just the whole mixed bag on the Creel X and not have to try and switch flies. 
Second thing I'll try is gonna be either a black woolly bugger or an olive woolly bugger. Then I've got all manner of crayfish patterns and topwater bugs and whatever, but doubt any of those will be applicable. So I'm catching fish on the first two things, which 90% of the time does the trick. Looking forward to about three hours of fishing here. Really about two and a half, because I'm gonna have to travel back and be home by five to see Brooke and Teddy and Caroline and Teresa are coming up for the night as well. We got res dinner reservations. There's another rifle shot. I doubt it's a hunting thing then. Something or other. Anyways, that's the boonies. Misha out. May 5th, 2021. Uh, just Misha on the porch right now. I had a lovely session today on a tributary to Penn's Creek. It's not a secret tributary or anything like that, but lovely stream that doesn't need any more attention than it already gets. It's a limestoner. Springs feed it. 15 to 20 feet wide most of the time. And I caught seven fish, six wild browns, and one wild rainbow. The best brown was 13 pushing 14 maybe. Lovely, lovely fish. Weren't any hatches coming off today. I saw a sulfur, couple sulfurs flying around. There must have been some blueing olive activity because that's what the fish wanted to eat. It's blueing olive nymphs. The iron lotus getting the job done. I caught fish on a real big size eight March brown nymph on a flashback pheasant tail on another BWO, a tractor pattern nymph. Yeah, stayed on subsurface all day. Saw probably about three quarters of a mile of water. Beautiful, beautiful stream. Some real deep holes that I wasn't able to effectively fish because I didn't feel like changing my rig. Basically set up to pick the pockets, which I successfully did. That 13 inch fish came out of a interesting lie. There's a deep slot with you know these twigs that on either side of the slot that were subsurface and it was like a, it was like a nice three foot deep slot floating my fly through there. I was thinking, okay, well, if the indicator goes under, it's either going to be a stick or it's going to be a fish. It was a fish. Beautiful, beautiful wild brown trout. They were all beautiful wild brown trout. The one I got on a March brown had a little thing going on with his mouth. I was able to take that outer mandible and take it out of his jaw. It's funny how that happens to, to fish on catch and release streams. That outer mandible will become an inner mandible. Do not love that. So I like that I was able to repair it on this fish. There was a cool pool that had a walking bridge going over it. And this bridge was clearly handmade by someone pretty good at woodworking because it was two logs laid across the stream, two big, big logs with the bark still on. And then a bunch of shims underneath the gangplanks. And there were two four inch wide, maybe six or eight inch wide actually, planks side by side across the whole length with the shims and then the giant trunks underneath and there's even a handrail it's pretty cool going across the stream fr from woods into an Amish farm there was a fun moment when I was fishing it turned out to be my last hole of the day or next to last hole a pod of Amish children on their scooters came by four kids three scooters oldest one looked like he might have been 11 12 13 as they're coming up the road, I'm hooked up to a nice brown trout. And I see him coming. I forgot my net, so I had to 
be real gentle with all the fish and ask them to cooperate with me in order to get the hook out. So the Amish kids are coming down the road that parallels the stream, and I wave at them, you know, just acknowledging that they're there and just letting the fish play itself out. As they go by, the oldest one goes, having fun? Yeah, having a great day. Attention, put my attention back on the fish. It was a nice moment with the kid because he smiled and, you know, <laughs> that, yep, having a great day. Yeah, it was a hot fish too. Right when it took, it came up on the surface and like porpoised, but did like a leaping, vibrating porpoise, not just like a, you know, porpoise out of the water. Still life, like a, it was a vibrating head to tail, shaking its head. And it proceeded to tail walk and jump two or three more times, and it was really cool. Had a couple other fish that jumped that feistily as well, but the big one did not really jump. The big one came up out of its slot and shook its head where I could see it, and I could immediately see it was a big one, and it tried to go back down into the sticks and then into a rock and kept it out of all of that. It was fishing 4X. The setup was basically... The same setup that I fished with uh, Matt on pens, just a little shorter. Yeah, I was fishing 4X fluoro, not like the 3X we fished on pens. But I got myself a water balloon and set up a bottom bouncing rig and danged if it didn't work. That iron lotus did the trick by the end of the day. I was just fishing two iron lotuses, just picking off fish. Really, really good time. I think my session lasted three and a half hours. It rained all morning. And I was thinking, uh, well, we'll see. You know, maybe there's going to be a bite window after the after the rain clears and before it gets cold, because it got cold and windy this afternoon. It's partly cloudy right now, and it was rainy all morning. So I didn't go didn't go to the stream until noon. And at noon, got in, and I was out by about 3:30 absolutely beautiful piece of water that looks like the perfect place to take Teddy someday to teach him how to fish. Can't wait for that. So just had a fun session on lower pens. Only got one smallmouth bass, interacted with maybe three fish. Not as stellar as the rest of my, my days here in north central Pennsylvania have been, at least as far as smallmouth go. But that's smallmouth fishing. They are you know, moody and difficult sometimes and conditions weren't bad, but I don't know, maybe not enough, not favorable enough to trigger a bite. The one fish came on a crawdad imitation of my own design. It's just a jig hook palmered with chenille and rubber legs going out the back. It just looks like a tiny little tube. It's kind of a dressed down crawdizzle. Got the fish on the swing, made a really long cast. was standing right in the middle of the stream on a big ledge that cut across the stream and maybe must have been 65 to 75 degrees. Went long upstream, really cool ledge, and it was the best bridge across the stream anywhere. And the put-in, that spot was right above this swimming hole. Looked like a heck of a lot of fun. They had a big old rope swing off of that tree that just leaned out across perfectly, and it was set up with a nice rope and platforms. Yeah, 12 feet deep, I'm told. Cool spot. Fishing uh, on the lower pens, yeah, I thought I'd see more smallmouth, but just the one on a really long line down and across on that crawfish imitation on the swing, maybe like 60 foot cast. My whole line uh, before the running line, my whole head was out. So pretty long line, just down and across. Had one other fish flash up at it 
on a similar shorter cast, maybe 20 feet long, and on the swing as well, quartering down and across, and just saw one other fish follow my fly down. Those are my three interactions with smallmouth bass today. But what was a lot cooler was on my way back, I stopped, there was this big oxbow lake, and you know, I stopped to do some micro fishing. And I saw a big bass, you know, maybe a two or three pound bass at one point, and it had no interest. It figured me out real quick and swam away, but might have had a shot, might have had a bite from a one pound bass. Fly snapped off on the hook set, so that stinks. But what was really cool was uh, the spawning bluegill and also some micro black crappie. I tried a couple different things, had a woolly bugger on to start, an olive and brown woolly bugger, and they didn't. They, they kind of tasted the tail of it a little bit. Eh, nothing really all that good to them. Tried a carp bug next. Just a spun deer hair clipped with dumbbell eyes. Really cool little baby crawfish imitation. Tried that next. and eh, eh, Maybe a take. But what did the trick was a snow white damsel. And the fish reacted to the snow white damsel. Like they came from, you know, several feet away to chase the damsel. So they were clearly accustomed to seeing damsels, but they were right up next to the bank. These spawning bluegill, all these bull bluegill had moved into this spot right next to the path, right close to the bank, four to 12 inches of water. And yeah, it was pretty neat to see them all. And they, you know, they figured me out pretty quick too, but if I was able to be stealthy enough and cast in places where the fish weren't looking right at me, I was able to fool a couple of bull bluegills caught two and I caught three micro black crappie and they were the they had the coolest pattern the black crappie they were like shimmery blue but black and white they were neat fish um, I guess that's I guess that's all I got for the, the micro fishing but uh, yeah not not don't do if you don't do very well on your main quarry sometimes it can be nice to chase sunnies call it micro fishing if you need to justify it but that's the job done some days I'll tell you what, those those bold bluegills were gorgeous little specimens. Absolutely stunning in their spawning colors. Really cool fish. Fun to see. They gave you a little tussle. And yeah, just a cool way to get your line tight. If you haven't tried micro fishing, give it a shot. Hi everybody. Thanks for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. This episode was brought to you by Speedwell Law, my estate planning law firm. Everyone knows that they need an estate plan, but not everyone understands why that is, so let me tell you what I think. My biggest concern is about finding value propositions for my clients. When someone dies, the process of sorting out their affairs can be very time-consuming and, not to mention, expensive. The value of good estate planning is that it makes your family's job easier when the time comes to administer your estate. That's why I often say estate planning is an act of care and compassion towards the ones you love. My practice is all about saving your loved ones time and aggravation, and when you're saving time and aggravation in the law, it also means you're saving money. We take care of some really important conversations along the way, like living wills and burial wishes. And I offer a free 15-minute phone call that you can book directly online through my website, speedwelllaw.com. And that's for anyone that wants to have that conversation. I am licensed in Virginia and Maryland.
This podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com.